everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And continuing on, celebration of my birthday month with movies I actually enjoyed. Well, one of them was debatable. Um, we watched uh, John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. from 2000 and... Oh, 1996? 1996. And I was going to say 2006. And Prisoners of the Ghost Land from 2021. And wow... What a movie. It sure is a, a film, movie. yeah. <laughs> it definitely exists. Now, if you haven't heard of Prisoners of the Ghostland, I'm not surprised. Because... Uh, it, Nicolas Cage describes it as the wildest film he has ever been in. It's just bizarre from the opening credits to the ending credits. I have watched the movie... And I still have no idea what happens in it. It's funny because I was watching it and because um, I've never seen, uh, as, as we discussed in last week's episode, or last episode, yeah. um, I've never seen the Escape movies before. And we watched Prisoners of the Ghostland before we watched Escape from L.A. And I was thinking, oh, you know what, there's actually some similarities between this and Escape from New York. Maybe we should have compared it to that one. And then it turns out Escape from L.A. is just a remake of Escape from New York. It's a continuation of the story where the exact same thing happens, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've Snake. also done a complete 180, and now I love the Escape series. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I Well, I don't know. Escape from New York, I still am iffy on, but I loved Escape from LA. I think it's a much better movie, and it's so good. Which is funny, because it's the worst rated out of the two. Yeah, which do you prefer, though, of the two? Are you an Escape from New York or Escape from a L.A. person? I love both of them. Yeah, which would you prefer, though? It's like asking which Lord no. of the Rings one's the best. Return of the King. T- Twin Tower. Two Towers. Okay. So, answer it for the Escape films. <sighs> L.A. Oh, really? Okay. Because yeah. I thought you were more of an Escape from New York person. And I was going to say, I mentioned in the previous episode that Escape from New York is Kurt Russell's favorite film that he's ever done. Yeah. Escape from L.A. is John Carpenter's favorite film that he's ever made. Yeah. So, we're on the John Carpenter side. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so these are two very interesting movies. Oh, my God. So. Prisoners of the Ghostland is. It's a wild ride. It's I don't know that we can do it justice. I think people should watch it, but I also think people shouldn't watch it, and I'm not sure what whether to recommend it or not. I recommend it just because you have never seen a movie. Like, we've watched some pretty weird movies. Yeah. Like, you, like if you've ever seen a Neil Breen movie, you're just like, wow, this is so bad, it's good. You know, uh, Trolls 2 comes to mind. You know, they're going to eat... Trolls 2? Yeah. Trolls World Tour? No. With Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick? No. Um, they're eating her. Then they're going to oh, eat tr- me. Troll 2. Yeah. Without the... Uh, okay, because uh, yeah. Trolls 2 is a totally different film. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. It's got the McElroy brothers in it. Yeah, okay. Um, there's, there's a lot of bizarre movies out there. Yeah. And then... This one is just... Prisons of the Ghostland. You don't know what's going on. From the beginning. I can't decide, is it ridiculous or genius? Like, I think it's all deliberate. I think it's like just a total 
like excuse my language but a total mindfuck of a movie I think that's like the whole um thing I think it is like because it's very um it definitely kind of leans into almost anime ridiculousness at times and it is set in Japan but like in primarily in a town called Samurai Town which is a like 50-50 split of like weird traditional Japanese town and Wild West saloons yeah. <laughs> type situation. Okay, so for to, <laughs> to help you explain it to those people at home who are like, what did she say? <laughs> um, picture the very famous movie Mad Max 2 or Fury Road. Fury Road worked, no, because there's too many cars. Mad Max 2 or even Thunderdome which is the third one, um, except it's set in the Westworld mm. story because it was also the samurai, like the Japan world as well, that was in the TV show. I don't know if you, you no, watched it. No, I haven't it, watched yeah. it. So I will eventually at some, so there's some point. Look at Westworld, it. you think it's like the only thing, and then spoilers for Westworld. Um, and then later on, they actually go to like Japan world with a samurai. Right. It's um, like a weird Epcot mashup. Because, like, Epcot is a theme park where there's, like, a whole section where it's, you just kind of walk through different countries of the world. It's like it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Except... The only, only in that area. Only the people who survived were um, otakus and people who are really into cowboys. Yeah. And they just live together in <laughs> harmony... To the point where you don't know which gr- group of group of goons that um, uh, Ni- Nicholas Cage's character. What was his name? Hero. He- oh yeah, his name was his name hero. is Hero. Yeah. And his best friend's name is Psycho. <laughs> you don't know which group of goons uh, Nicholas Cage is going to be punching in the next sequence. Is it going to be Japanese men dressed as cowboys? So hang on, there's there's four things. So there's a Japanese. Men dressed as cowboys, there's the samurais, there's the weird people wearing, like, junk for clothes, and there's the dead zombie hell prisoners who've been blown up in a radioactive explosion. Now, if that didn't make any sense to you at home, (laughs) it doesn't help when you watch the movie. Um, It is absolutely bizarre. It's... In the most engaging way possible um now we mentioned in our previous episode uh, and i didn't know how important this would be but in our previous episode we talked a little bit about films that are stuck in production hell which it turns out was both of these movies <laughs> because they were originally writing the script for escape to la in 1985 and it took 11 years to get the film made um and prisoners of the Ghostland. The guy wrote it 17 years before he got anyone to agree to make the film with him. I'm not surprised, because anybody who read that script would have been like, what is happening? Yeah. Am I missing pages? Um, yeah, so it's written by an Iranian guy, uh, whose name is Reza Sixo Safai, um, who also wrote 
A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which I've never seen but wanted to see because it's a weird mashup of genres, which I'm now understanding seems to be his whole <laughs> thing. Um, because that is, that is a Iranian Western vampire movie. Yep. So now Elijah we, Woods. Yeah, we need to see that. So that's a Spectre Vision film. So it's produced by Elijah Woods Company. Yeah. Um, and now I even more want to see it, having watched <laughs> of a Ghost Land. But yeah, it literally took seventeen years for him to get someone to to sign on and make it. Um. But I mean, hey, you he must have had a real passion for that film, to still be pushing it after seventeen years. Uh, I couldn't find anything on the budget, by the way. The, literally the only thing I found about the budget for um, Princess of the Ghost Land was someone who claimed that the budget was $75. <laughs> which can't be true. Because you keep, Nicolas Cage isn't going to work Yeah, he's he's got pennies, the, I, he's got the IRS to pay. Yeah. Um, so I have no idea what the budget was, but uh, it only made $71,000 in box office. So it's fine. I wonder if in like 10 years time it'll be like a cult movie where people will be like, oh my God, it. you haven't seen Prisons of the Ghostland? I can see it as a cult movie. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can also understand, I was wondering, you know, have with the idea of the premise that I had um, before we watched it, I was wondering why this movie wasn't sued by John Carpenter for ripping off his movies. Yeah. Um, but like, if he ever sat down to watch it, he'd probably be like, what what the fuck am I watching and yeah. not want to be associated with it. So, <laughs> how are these movies are the same? Again, we find Snake Plissken, he's been captured by the authorities. Um, again, more alternate history, far more fascist, but in the eyes of, like, extreme... Um, what's the that, that movement? The movement that existed in America in the... Like the end of the West. It started with P. What the hell is it called? Um, the movement. Yeah, it was a movement. Um, it's going to drive me nuts now. Okay. Um, but ba- basically you have extreme... Prohibition? No. Oh. That was later. That was way later. That was like was post-World think- War One. Um, what? I was just thinking that of the, you know, the... Um, the fact that they don't allow alcohol or smoking or anything yeah. potentially dangerous to your health or whatever, or anything morally wrong. Yeah, they've gone like full and like borderline Sharia law, but yeah. like American version of that. So it's very fundamentalist Christian mm. to the extreme of like, are oh, you not... moral crimes? I mean, it's the kind of. Yeah. Bullshit Christianity yeah, yeah. that Americans do tend to preach. Yeah. Um, no offense for American listeners. Yeah, it's, it's very southern televangelist. That's what they base it on. Yeah. 100%. That's what they base it on, te- televangelist. Because it's not, because like, the reason I stepped in there is like, very much, while, while on the surface the things they're banning might be, um, seem like they're going with Christian stuff, like what they're actually doing is very much against Christianity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they're not being very Christian. They're yeah. literally like, just want to kill people, you know, yeah, so that op- they can stay in power. Your options are to be exiled out of America into LA, which is now an island due to an earthquake, 
Mm-hmm. Um, or the future of Wellington. Just get an electric, get electric cheered. Yeah. And it's like not even. And people it. are just choosing to yeah. to go in the electric chair rather than be sent over. It's yeah. Weird. Um. Once again, Snake Plissken is so in the in the Escape from New York. He was. They put like bombs in his throat. Is that what they did? Yeah. So like, he was gonna explode after a certain amount of time if he didn't do whatever. Yeah. Whereas in this one, they've injected him with a virus. virus that's going to kill him after a certain amount of time. Yeah. And in Prisoner of the Ghostland... He puts on a leather suit. Yeah, they put has, him in like a... Which has, like, emotion-activated bombs on certain parts of him. He's yep. got two bombs on his on his testes. Yeah, if he ever bomb, gets aroused. Yeah. Two bombs on his elbows for if he tries to harm an innocent woman. Yeah. Which is like that was obviously gonna backfire. Like how are they? How can it tell? Yeah. You know, it, there's too many variables, and then the ones on his throat for if he tried to tamper with the suit at all, which makes no sense because later on he does tamper with the suit and yeah. it doesn't explode. Um. But uh, yeah, I was expecting those to not actually get set off, and then there's this. There is a sequence. You were going to be forewarned. Again, spoilers. If you haven't watched Prince of the Ghostland and you want to and you don't want to hear about it, stop listening right now. Because there is a sequence where one of his testicles gets exploded. Yeah. Because he's pouring water into the girl's mouth for her to drink and then he gets aroused and his testicle explodes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I haven't, we haven't said what they're doing. So. Um, <laughs> what are they doing? Explain so, it to me. Snake, Explain it to me. Snake Plissken uh, is going into LA to get... Um, the president's daughter. He's not actually. They've said he can kill her. They don't actually care about her. But she was radicalized through VR by a terrorist from. So there's someone in South America. Is he from Cuba? No, where is he from? I can't remember. All right. I, they mention Cuba and they mention. Uh, do they mention Mexico or Peru? I think he's Peruvian. Maybe. I don't know. They mention a whole bunch of Southern and Central American countries. I think he might be Peruvian. Um. And, yeah, so she's been radicalized by this guy through VR because her sister committed suicide and she got so withdrawn, she withdrew into the cyberverse or whatever and met this guy in VR and then he convinced her to steal uh, this device that her dad, the President of the United States, had, which... Sword of Damocles. Yeah. (laughs) So this device will allow them to turn off all technology in whatever areas they want to target. Yeah, so basically it's a bunch of satellites in space that have giant EMP electromagnetic pulses, yeah. which, yeah, you can target a taxi cab or an entire country. Yeah, so uh, he has to go get that back. In Prisoners of Ghostland, again, both of them are prisoners. Um, so Pliskin, I don't know what he's done this time. He's just always doing dumb shit and getting arrested. Um, and Hero Robert in... Banks. Hero in... Wait, was Nick Plissken robbing banks? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because Hero in Prisoners of Ghostland also robbed yeah. a bank. Okay, I didn't even cop that. Um, yeah, so in Prisoners of Ghostland, he robbed a bank and he was imprisoned. And while he was imprisoned, this nuclear apocalypse happened. So he didn't seem to even know what had happened. I don't even think the people who lived there knew it happened. It was... So, he, so he's brought out of Im- imprisonment... By the governor of Samurai Town who wants him to find his adopted granddaughter who ran away from home 
and went to the ghost land where no one comes back from and he wants her back because he's doing some shady shit with a whole lot of adopted granddaughters that he's like doing weird sexual shit with. This is my reading of it. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> um, so he's he's zipped him up in this weird leather overall and gone, hey, go get her from the desert. And he gives him like a fancy car and he just gets out of it and gets on a bicycle and cycles away and he gets real mad about it. He just gets so angry that Nick Cage chooses yeah, to so go on a bicycle. In, like it isn't given in all... All the movies, they get given, like, a really random amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> so, in Escape from New York, he's got 24 hours, which then becomes 22 hours, because that's when the president has to be in conference with the world leaders yeah. to uh, negotiate for peace. Um, I can't remember the time limit. The time limit on... Um, in Lockout? Lockout. They, I don't think they gave him a specific one. They just were, it was, um, I think they were estimating like 90 minutes or something until they realized that, or three hours maybe? I don't know. So until, the, until they realized that it was the, the president's daughter that they I had. I thought it was until like the satellite crashed into the planet, the space station. No, because they didn't know it was moving until it crashed into the space station. Right. Um, no, it was they were trying to get her out before they realized, realized it was her. It was her. Yeah. Um, and then escape from LA. Escape from got, LA. He's got ten hours. Yeah. And, which seems like a really short amount of time in comparison to twenty two from the previous yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, prisoners of the Ghost Land. He's got. He's got three, three days, days. Three days to get her, but then if she says her name into the microphone on his wrist, um, it'll voice activate and give him two extra days to get her back. Yeah. Which seems like the most ridiculous one of them because, like, exactly, it's like an hour away. He only needed like five hours to go get her and come back, really. So I don't understand how it took him three days, except that he kept blowing up his testicles. Well, he only did that once. Yeah, but he blew up his elbow as well, and I don't even understand how because I well, don't think he was trying to harm an innocent woman at the time. The first thing he did was crash the car, and then passed out for a but day. But he also didn't take the car. So I got really confused by that sequence because he left the car behind, but then he yeah, and then the samurai dude turned up yeah and gave him the car. Then Why? he gets confronted by the black samurai and the the nuclear apocalypse people. <laughs> then he just floors it, and then he wakes up on the ground and he's crashed into the wall. And then they reenact the sequence from Gladiator, where he gets dragged in a in a thing past crazy people yeah through the three p.m. toilet uh, toilet paper. Parade, plus the mannequin people, who are people, people who are covered in chunks of mannequin. Can I just interrupt here to, to, the, to say that one of the IMDb trivia for this movie was that Nick Cage met his fifth wife on set. So naturally, I got curious and I looked up what she did. Like, was she a crew member? Was she an actress? So she's an actress, and she's credited in one film, which is Princess of Ghostland, and her credit is Mannequin Woman. So she's one of the women. Dressed as a mannequin, and Nick Cage was like, "I'm gonna marry her." <laughs> Bizarre! What a weird way to meet your wife. <laughs> She's just dressed as a mannequin. So yes, pass the mannequin people to the doomsday clock that they're physically holding with a rope. Yep. Oh, I forgot about Ratman. Ratman, I like Ratman. He was a nice guy. Yeah. 
Um, Ratman are like techno junkies who are rebuilding. Um, there's a subculture of Japan that's about the trucking. Okay. And the truckers pay like ridiculous amounts of money to like soup up their trucks by putting like neon lights and getting like stuff airbrushed on the side of them. So it like falls into that weird subgenre subculture. Um, but they're just like doing that, yet they have no petroleum or diesel and it's like super rare, which is very bizarre because all of these vehicles are like on the entire time. Just yeah. using battery power. But also, again, can we highlight that this apocalyptic event in this movie seemed to have happened in, like, it just encompassed two towns. Yeah. It's not even, like, Japan-wide, never mind worldwide. So, like, we, like can they not just, like, go a couple of hours Well, away? no, because they're in a different dimension. <laughs> they... There are people from hell there, so it's very confusing. <laughs> it's I feel like, I mean, different writer, but I feel like it it almost exists on the same plane as Mandy. Because in Mandy, they also just like randomly summon bikers from hell, right? Yeah. Where it's like you think this is just normal Earth, and then you're like, "What is happening?" And then there's like weird bikers from hell, yeah, who fight with chainsaws and stuff, yeah. Um. So it does feel a little bit like that. I wasn't expecting it to be so like fantastical. Testicle. Fantas- fantastical. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed it though. <laughs> I really liked both these movies. I think. Um. Not, not that I want to be comparing it to Escape from New York all the time, but I think Escape from L.A. was, like, written better. Perf- I think there was better acting in it overall. I think, like, all the actors were really giving... I think Prince of the Ghostland, every actor was going full ham of it, which yeah. was wonderful. It really worked for that bizarre movie. Um, the music was better. Because he, he had a co-composer. He had a co-composer in the first one. Who, I don't know who it was in the first one, but the one for this one was the, the woman who did... The music for like Batman the Animated Series and stuff, so yeah. it was it's some good shit, you know. Well, it also has it, Toll on it, which is one of my favorite bands. True, um, it did feel very nineties, even though it's set in twenty thirteen. But that you know a whole thing with trying to do futuristic stuff when you don't know what the future's gonna hold. Yeah, I think they did more realistic future stuff this time though, because like the ones made in eighty one, set in the nineties, was like the future stuff was like. Here's a block with a radar on it. Whereas this one, they were like, we've got holograms. We've got virtual reality. We've got this, like, we can press a button and a TV screen appears in midair. You know, like, yeah. um, I feel like they're a little bit more ambitious with their futuristic tech this time. And it worked out well. Though his weird submarine thing was very strange. Um, it's also used in um, Metal Gear Solid. That's how Snake gets into the facility, is through snake the... Snake Plissken or Solid Snake? Solid Snake. He... Solid Snake Plissken? No. <laughs> um, how he gets into the facility is via a, uh, getting fired out of a torpedo. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Steve Buscemi is an utterly bizarre character, yeah. but I love him. Map of the Stars Eddie. Map of the Stars Eddie, he's so good. 
I like that, like, one of the first person he meets when he arrives in L.A. is this surfer dude who's just ignoring everything else that's going on because he just likes to surf. Yeah, it's And then he ends up, yeah, but then he ends up, like, meeting him again, and he's like, whoa, dude, you got here just in time. There's a tsunami. And they just surf on the tsunami. And it's fantastic. No, the best, the best character introduction and death is uh, the, the, um, the, the, the Muslim girl. I can't remember the bloody character's name. Is that the lady who I took a quote down from? Um, who says, once you figure this, once you figure out this uh, place, it's really not so bad, and then immediately gets shot. shot. Yeah. Yeah, she's a pretty girl. And her crime was being Muslim. That was her, that was what she was arrested for? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. God damn fascist state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's more of the same. Um, the president is now president for life, which is a violation of constitution, but apparently the, constitution, the constitution because he predicted that LA would sink into the sea and it did due to an earthquake. They wanted, like um, predicting it'll rain in Wellington. Yeah. They wanted Donald Pleasance to reprise the role yeah. and for him to have been the president that predicted the stuff. Yeah. Um, but he declined because he was, um, he was ill and then he died before they started oh. production. So that's sad. Um, but yeah, weird, weird president for life situation. I don't like that. President for life is a bad idea. Yeah. What I find interesting. That's the British version of doing things. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lovely blue passport. Um, (laughs) the, the setup, uh, to escape from New York and escape from LA and then escape from either America or Earth, which I previously mentioned. Which they did make, by the way. What? Yeah, John Carpenter made the film, but he but because Escape from LA tanked, he changed the script a little bit and, and changed the name of it. To what? Uh, I think it's called Ghosts from Mars. Okay, I'm going to have to find this movie now. I'm not going to do it now. Uh, he, it's, I think, like, 2002 or something. I think it was called Ghosts from Mars or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, it, it's the script that was originally escaped from Earth, I guess. Um, became that movie. Interesting. Um, yeah, so, so he did, he did make his film, but because, literally just, be, Ghosts of Mars is called. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. Um, yeah, but because this film was such a flop, because uh, we didn't mention the budget and box office on this one, but budget for Escape from LA was $50 million. Yeah. Box office, $25 million. Yeah. So it was a proper flop. Um, so it's still his favorite of his films. And he thinks that, uh, you know, eventually people will come around and, and love it. Which we also think about Prisoners of the Ghostland. So. Yeah. Um, it's... It, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I know we've been talking about the movie <laughs> for 26 minutes, but still, like, I, I just... It's so bizarre, because... Which one? Prisoner of Ghostland? Yeah. Like, my favourite sequence out of all of it is, um... The... I can't pronounce that name, because I'm terrible at uh, Japanese pronunciation, even though I did study it. Um, the... Samurai bodyguard of the Um, governor? Yasujiro. Yeah. 
just like... I, I don't know if I'd pronounce that correctly, but I was listening to... I got really excited whenever he's on screen because they because he was like supposed to be good and then bad and then good and he's, then bad. Yeah, he's like defending <laughs> Nicolas Cage by killing... Other samurai. Other samurai. Yeah, well, he's only working like, for the guy because... He was because his sister is one of the women that's being held captive by this guy as like a sex slave or whatever, and he he was promised that he if he dedicated his life to him then she'd be set free, which isn't happening. But he's like obviously got like a whole loyalty thing where he wants to be loyal to the guy, but also wants to say you know fuck you. So like he's just straight up keeps killing his own samurai. Repeatedly, like multiple points throughout the movie. There's a moment, um, which is an explanation you won't understand, where Nicolas Cage goes full John Wick, and I really appreciated it. It was great. Um, yeah, just absolutely bizarre. Like, you, the Escape series have over-the-top cars, like uh, uh, the Duke... Duke's car has, like, they've just souped it up by putting chandeliers on it and a, yeah. and a disco ball. You pointed yeah. out the disco ball. And this one, they've got a disco ball and loads of little, like, mannequin doll heads. heads. Are they mannequin yeah. heads and doll yeah. heads? Mannequins. Yeah, and there you yeah. go. There's a tie-in between the two movies. Yeah. Mannequins. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, Escape from L.A. is very, like, post-apocalyptic, like, proper, proper post-apocalyptic. And there's just scenes in it that are just so shockingly LA. It reminds me of the episode of Futurama, with the with the when his um, ex girlfriend throws herself and then wakes up and then they're going to they have to deliver deliver um, Paulie Shaw mm. to an anniversary of like Biodome or Encino Man. I can't remember which. I think it's Biodome, and they just realize it's not Paulie Shaw, so they just dump him and they think it's like the year a hundred thousand but in reality they've just been dumped in LA and there's just kids shooting each other and yeah, yeah. smog and acid rain and stuff and it's like no this is just this LA. Is just this, LA. This is just LA. It's, we're still in the future, like <laughs> and there's just sequences in here where it's just like people having a gunfight and then like driving down the road shooting each other and there are just kids that rock up in a hot rod and just gun down a bunch of people praying with Uzis. And they're like little kids. They're yep. just like pile out and shoot everybody and then pile back in. Like it's like, oh, it's time for T ball. Um, yeah, yeah, they get into your dad's car. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Painted with hot rod flames. Yeah. It's so bizarrely, perfectly LA. Yeah. Even in the, the most offensive way possible. I was going to say, even the fact that, like, usually in. in the Escape from New York, they have him go into like a boxing match gladiator thing. Yeah. And this one, they just make him play basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he made all those shots, by the way. Yes. None like... of that was CG or like stunt things. That's just Kurt Russell, even the one from the opposite side of the court. Yeah. He just made that shot. Yeah. Do you know? Oh, no, you haven't seen it. <laughs> what? You haven't seen it. Seen what? The basketball shot in Alien Resurrection. No, I haven't seen Alien Resurrection. Or made uh, Ron Perlman break character. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I love the... Uh, there's like um, a video of a, a news guy reporting on uh, someone making a blind half-court shot and yeah. he just throws a ball behind him 
at the end of it and it goes in and and everyone just goes like silent and he's like what what happened and they're like you did it and he's like no you're like joking and they're like no you just did it we got it on camera and so good boom goes the dynamite um just kurt russell is just apparently he practiced he wanted to do it really well so he practiced so hard that he became just like it excellent at basketball which is wonderful which is a shame because like the gladiator scene in uh new york is pretty iconic because it goes starts off with baseball bats and then they're using like dustbin lids as shields with like spiked baseball bats yeah and there before he gets led up to the basketball court after he's obviously been captured and stuff um there is like crazy gladiator matches happening yeah and one of the weapons like the weapon because they do the like the whole Roman Colosseum Emperor yeah, thing where they thumb down. down. Um, he's got like the giant crab claw. Yeah, he that just cuts the head off. from like Futurama, where like <laughs> Fry fights Zoidberg with a giant like crab yeah. with like a nutcracker. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. so much of it that is just so fantastically like escaped into pop culture even though maybe that was never the intention and probably like i'm just connecting dots here yeah. um i also love the like commentary they make on um plastic surgery oh yeah that they've got like all the like people who've had too much plastic surgery so now they ha- they're like living in tunnels and they have to ha- assemble body parts from new people coming in so they can get new body parts and yeah. stuff it's like okay that's a bit messed up and the uh Surgeon General of, of Beverly Hills is played by a very unknown actor at the time, Bruce Campbell. Mm. And it's just so fantastic because it's just so creepy. Just eerily creepy of just all these people with just like sewing together bodies and faces. and Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit messed up. And, and they all have that weird like plastic surgery addiction face. Yeah. Which it looks like a doll's face has just been sewn on. It's super creepy. More like a mannequin face. Yeah. Because in the other movie... They, they are just They mannequin. just cover themselves in parts of mannequins and stand in the sun inexplicably. So she... I, don't, I still don't understand what the point of that was. She ran away from her, like, sex slave life. And then she woke up... Without her voice. Well, no, she woke up and she, like, screamed, I'm not a prisoner, or whatever. She woke up, like... That's, like, set later, though. Oh, is it? I wasn't sure. But that never happens then. Okay, whatever. Anyway, so she she ends up in this other place, in the middle of, like, wasteland town, and just, like, covered in mannequin parts, and she can't speak because the ghost land has taken her voice from her. And it's like, what does that even mean? And then they're like, well, this is not where she's a prisoner. And it's like, what are you, like, what, I, I get that she felt like a prisoner where she was before. But you're also keeping her prisoner here by making her pretend to be a mannequin and not allowing her to speak. Like, what is happening? What is any of it? And then there's like, Nick Cage is always having flashbacks to the time he robbed a bank. Because, like, he was convicted of, like, killing a whole lot of people, but it turns out he killed none of them. His, his partner crime killed all these people including like a small child and like every time that cage goes to sleep he sees them and then they're like in this ghost town and they're like asking him to help them and stuff and it's like what what is any of it my what favorite is that movie <laughs> my favorite is like they overplay the little boy that gets shot yeah who's 
even bouncy balls claiming they're like gumballs out of a machine because yeah. they, they literally bounce. Yeah, like gumballs yeah. do not bounce. <laughs> they're not pre-chewed gum. They're like gum covered with like hard candy to protect the gum from like... He's just eating like ping pong balls. Yeah, but it's just the fact that he just is always just zoom in on the kid in the crowd and he does the thumbs up and then turns around and, and they've got a wearing, mask on the back of his head yeah, they're all, like there's bunches of people wearing like the fox masks and the kabuki masks yeah and it's just there's also no explanation of why nick cage was living in this small japanese town to begin with like uh, like i said i don't <laughs> think and why is there a governor some white dude who is clearly supposed to be like texan texan with like the massive 10 gallon hat and stuff he's like um What's his name? Doug Doug Dimmerdale of the or Dimmerdale Dimmerdome, from from um fairly odd parents, the mayor of the mayor of the town who's like this tiny little guy with just like a hat that's like six yeah. feet tall. Yeah. Um, except that he's got like a harem of of adopted grandchildren that he wants to have sex with. You're talking about the movie, not the show. <laughs> yeah, that's not in fairly odd parents. I don't remember that part. And fairy odd parents, but I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> that's what the, that's what's in the Dimsdale Dimmerdome is just, just women. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a weird movie. <laughs> I feel like we could have almost compared Prisoners of the Ghostland to Fury Road. There's there's definitely some kind of a comparison to be made there. It's not the quite weird... the same though. I, it's yeah. definitely more inspired by the escape movies. But there are elements of sort of um, that Mad Max esque, like future predictions. Yeah. Him being kept as a prisoner, you know, there, there's lots of similarities. Stealing, trying to steal back women who have been kept as um, slaves. Yeah. Like, there are lots of similarities, but, like, Mad Max Fury Road is set in... Australia. I was going to say, a post-apocalyptic reality. I was going to say, modern Australia. But, Prisoners of Ghostland is, like, Mad Max weeb... Like, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Westworld. Mad Max Westworld Weeb Edition. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the it's apocalypse wonderful. happened while people were doing a, like, Wild West reenactment. Yeah, next yeah. To, yeah. Like, well, I mean, we can't, I don't think we can call it, like, a, a weeb film, necessarily, because it is directed by a Japanese man. Yeah, it's more otaku than weed. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it is legitimately, like, I guess a Japanese film. But it's shot in America. But that was a budget thing, I think. So it was, um, there was, like, a whole thing. Yeah, so it was delayed. So it was, it took 17 years for the writer to get someone to agree to make the movie. And then the guy who was set to direct it, who did direct it in the end, had a heart attack. So they ended up delaying the movie for a year. Um, and apparently Nick Cage was just super nice about it and arranged for like a, a cheaper place for them to produce it and whatever and everything and was just like a really great guy. So um, the director, Sean Sono, has said Nicolas Cage is the easiest person he's ever worked with. And he said, he brought me back from the dead. Wow. So um, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> there you go. So Nick Cage made his life easy. Um, but uh, yeah, again, it was a production hell situation where like after 17 years, finally starting production and then the director has a heart attack. But yeah, they moved production to, um, I think it was to California, funnily enough, considering we're comparing it to a movie set in L.A. But, um, I don't know yeah. what else to say, eh? Like, it's just so bizarre. Mm. Like, the... Some of the other movies that the Elijah Woods company has produced... Oh, they moved it to, to Mexico. So it was supposed oh. to be shot in Japan, it was shot in Mexico. Wait, sorry, continue. Um... You know, Mandy's strange, but it's enjoyable strange because it's like the sort of like a weird, you know, trip to hell to, you know, get a dead bot like a dead person back from hell kind of Mandy is fighting the devil kind of thing. Yeah, Mandy is just the way I always see Mandy is that it is the cover of a heavy metal album yeah. kind of turned into a film. Yeah. And then you get like the greasy strangler which mm-hmm. is just that sub-reality, but it's like there are laws and rules that fit with our reality. Like yeah. Nothing has changed beyond that. Um, the Was it other Elijah Wood movie we watched? Was like Sasha Gray with the hacking and the thing? Open was, Windows? Yeah, was that the same company? The, as what? At, at his production company. That was Spectre Vision, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. so they are weird. Like his, the movies they make uh ones that normally wouldn't yeah, be made they didn't by Vink. I know, I know, I know, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I thought you were saying that they're just not of listening to what I was saying. No, 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 yeah, I was, but I thought you were it, including Prince of the Gospel no, in that. But this is like turned up to 11. Yeah. But it is a director that they've worked with. Yeah. Um, and possibly he, this might be, you know, the fact that he worked with Spectre Vision and got that other film made might be why he ended up. Finally, getting this script. Yeah. Though I'm surprised Spectre Vision didn't jump on this script. Yeah. Especially considering they worked on you know Mandy and Colorado Space with Nick Cage as well. Um. This one was produced by X Y Z Films, or I guess X Y Z. Is that probably how it's pronounced? Who I think did yeah they did I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. Which is a good movie. Which is a very good movie, but also is a like almost sub-reality to some extent because it's about a suburban mom just kind of or not even mom just like some suburban lady being like okay screw this and getting involved in like weird gang violence yeah. <laughs> it's not quite to the extent of this yeah, one not but quite to fighting samurai and cowboys they made the raid or they produced the raid which I guess has some similarities <laughs> No, well... To these kind of movies. That's in sort of reality. Yeah. Um, Tusk, they produced, which is definitely sub-reality. Tusk is a great film. Yoga Hosers, obviously. Same same vein. Um, yeah, so I think they also make... So they... That's what I... This is what I, this is what I was looking for, which I thought, is that they were another production company that worked on Mandy with Spectre Vision. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so... And and Colorado Space. Oh, interesting. I don't know. We'll, 
Okay, so I think for both those films, Spectrevision was the main production company, but XYZ Films, maybe or maybe they did distri- distribution? No, production, they do film production. Mm. Interesting, so they obviously did some production work on those films as well, so they have worked on these kind of weird surreality <laughs> films. This is just... I watched the movie and I still don't know what happened. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, but it's like enjoying a car accident. <laughs> it's like going to a car race hoping to see a crash. Like, yeah. this was just a crash. I think it was deliberate. Well, obviously. No, you know it's what not I mean? Like like, Neil, well, you haven't seen Neil Breen movies. but I've like, watched the first 20 minutes of four Neil Breen movies simultaneously. Okay. And that's all I ever need to do. No, it's not. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to watch more than that because they were all exactly the same. We could literally watch every Neil Breen movie and do a single episode about it. Okay, let's really do it. There's the list. Um, I don't we'll want do it for your birthday. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> the thing about Neil Breen is he's a hack. Yeah. That's why he his movies are like they are, and he produces himself, and he stars in himself, and writes in himself, and he yeah. is like white Jesus. And they're hacky and garbage. Yeah. And that's why people love them. This is... This is high-quality bizarreness. Yeah, this is very deliberate genre-mashing and, like, just tr- take... Like, trying to take your expectations and go... And, like, go in a different... Like, literally slip into a different universe to where your expectations are. Um... I, th- I think it works, but I think you need to be very open to it. You know what I mean? I don't think you can go into this movie expecting a normal movie. Because then you'll just be confused and annoyed. Yeah. I think you've got to be really open to it being a totally bizarre movie. So I think if you're like us and you're like willing to watch things like The Greasy Strangler and um, Mandy and, you know, that kind of stuff... Um, it reminds me a little bit, maybe it's just the Western stuff, of Nope. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an odd one. I definitely do think it's similar to Escape from Hell. It's definitely one of those movies <laughs> where I will now force other people to watch it. Oh, yeah, that's a greasy strangler for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we did a, a guest spot on a different podcast. Shout out to Cult Connections. Um, and, and we made him watch the Yeah, half the fun was making Ian from Cult Connections watch The Greasy Strangler. The Greasy Strangler. Because um, it's just like an utterly bizarre film. And it was like, you know, when I first watched it, a friend made me watch it. And then I was like, I need to inflict this on other people. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of movie. And I feel like, yeah, this is, this is up there. Um... It's definitely not, like, it's not like when we saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Because, you know, people people will say that, like, all Nick Cage movies are this. When I saw The Unbearable Weight of Mass- Massive Talent, I thought, this is a fantastic film, and I want people to see it because it's a fantastic film. Yeah. This one, I just want, like, people to experience it. Do you know what? I've thought of another example. Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. want everyone to watch Sorry to Bother You. I want everyone I've ever met to watch Sorry to Bother You and... and Decide based on that whether they want to remain my friend or not. <laughs> you know? Um, 
that's so it's in that vein of film where it's like you know if you enjoy this we're probably gonna get along well and if you have if you are totally baffled and hated then like maybe we shouldn't watch movies together <laughs> it's like when like i had friends in school who i recommended napoleon dynamite to and then they went to see it in cinema without me and then they were like was that a joke why did you send us to see that terrible movie and I am no longer friends with those people. Not because of that, but it definitely was like a moment where I was like, oh, we are not on the same page about yeah. things. Um, yeah, that was a, a long-winded way to say, I do recommend people watch this movie. Why are you drinking 1%? But, I'm not saying you're fat, but you could, you could totally drink whole. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, you just really need to have an open mind if you're going to go watch this movie. Escape from L.A., on the other hand, just watch it. It's hilarious. It's great fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Timing's great. Music's great. Acting's great. Yeah, and it's and um, you, you can tell there's a lot of love in it, I think. Yeah. Um, it's Kurt Russell's only acting credit. Or, sorry, only <laughs> writing credit. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's acted in other films. Um. It's his only writing credit, and it was largely because, like, you know, he really wanted... He was just really pushing to get it made because he enjoyed playing Snake Plissken so much in the first movie. Yeah, it's 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 the original Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, so he yeah. wrote the whole ending of the movie. Yeah. It was all Kurt Russell. Um, John Carpenter went and said, no, no, Kurt wrote all that. Um, and it's his only writing credit, and it was literally because it was, you know they were reading drafts of scripts and they hated them and then he was like, no, we need to get this made. So he co-wrote it. And then he went on. Yeah. That's as if he should have written the first one. <laughs> um, no, I think maybe they didn't, I don't think they knew what they had with the first one. Which is why the second one is pretty much a remake, but it's very good. Yeah. And the fact that they've transplanted it from a very, like, clear New York setting to a very clear LA setting, like, is totally different cultures to to riff on there. Yeah. Like obviously you've got the surface stuff, you've got the plastic surgery stuff, you've got the Hollywood you know, Map of the Stars Eddie and stuff. Um Yeah. The, the gang wars, the There's gang wars in both really. <laughs> Not Just as different open. Yeah. like a different kind of genre of gang wars. Uh, it's just Yeah, it's 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 easy to compare to the other two movies that we previously did. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it objectively from the other side of it, so not a person who's been re- the reluctant hero who's been either infected with a virus or had bombs strapped to him mm-hmm. to go and rescue a girl. Yeah. There, uh, if you take away those parts of the movie... Mm-hmm. There is nothing you compare com- Prisoners of the Ghostland to. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe Dante's Inferno. Like <laughs> it's so. It's definitely. It's like it's like if someone tried to mash Mandy and Fury Road and Escape from LA together into one film, but made it a western. I honestly, <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's more Thunderdome. But yeah, I haven't seen Thunderdome. Okay. Why not? I just haven't. The only, literally the only Mad Max movie I've seen is Fury Road. Okay. That's 
awkward. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, I watched the Die Hard movies. I watched three and then four and then two and then one and then five. Um, <laughs> sequence makes... I'm sorry, but there's only three Die Hard movies and then there's <laughs> some fan movies that are based on the same character with the same actor in it. Yep. Those are called continuations. No, they're not. Sequels. No, they're not. Okay. Four does not happen at Christmas. Um... Does three happen at Christmas? I don't think three happens at Christmas. No. So why do you accept three but not four? Because three's better than two. Four's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Justin Long in it. Yeah. But he's still a cop. <laughs> fighting terrorists. Like Five is terrible. <laughs> is that the one where he teams up with his son who's yeah. now a CIA agent? Yeah. And it was written by Bruce Willis. Yeah. Those a, are fan. There's a fan. Those are he fan like movies. blows up a nuclear plant or something. It's like set in Chernobyl or something. Okay, that's just. Isn't it? I don't know. I've never seen it. I think it's set either in Chernobyl or in like a fictional version of Chernobyl. That's okay. And they like blow it up. Maybe that's not what happens. I've I, I watched it. In 2018, on TV, it was just on TV one day, and I watched it, and I don't remember it. I don't know, I didn't know yet. (laughs) Probably playing video games That that sounds like me. (laughs) It was accurate to what I used to do all the time. It was like, you know, a year before I knew you or something. Um, Any more trivia? I don't know. I feel like I've spoken on most of the trivia. Um, the Happy Kingdom, which is obviously supposed to be Disney, was filmed on the Back to the Future set, which I spotted in the movie, and I was glad to be able to confirm that that was accurate. Yeah. Um, I have a, a whole like paragraph-long quote from John Carpenter about how it's the better movie, which I just thought was fun. I don't know if you want me to read it or not. Um, yeah, I feel like I've actually, I've actually covered all the, the things I had, because I aren't really refresh in my head, I've remembered them all. So the I, only thing I didn't cover was that quote from John Carpenter, but I did tell you that it was his favourite. The, while we were talking earlier, did realise what we can do for Patreon stuff when we get a Patreon going. Oh, really? Yeah, we could do a Sorry to Bother You... Watch long party. Oh no! <laughs> and then, how many people tap out during that movie? Oh my god! That'd be fun. That would be fun. You give us money, and then you can watch. Sorry to bother you with us. Sorry to bother you is a fantastic film. Sorry to bother you is so good. I saw um Boots Riley, the guy who wrote and directed Sorry to Bother You, has got a new TV series coming out. I think. Oh, okay. So I must look into that because. If it's anything like Sorry to Bother You, I need to see it. <laughs> We're not, we haven't given away anything about Sorry to Bother You, I don't think, which is good. Please, yeah, you, you have you to know. go to that movie blind. There's no... Yes, absolutely. It's fantastic. It's very well written. Uh, the cast is great. It's got um, Lakeith Stanfield, um, Stephen Yun, Tessa Thompson. Who else is in it? Don't Glover. Oh, not Don't Glover. Um, the other one, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Um, Ar- Army Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> the actual cannibal, cannibal. Har- Army Hammer is in it. 
playing himself, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a ridiculous cast. It's an absolutely great movie. I can't, like, tell you anything about it. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta watch it and trust me that it's a fantastic movie, but that it is an absolute wild ride and you need to be fully open to experiencing the strangest movie you've ever seen. Next to the prison of the ghost land. <laughs> I, I honestly think... Well, sorry to bother you had more of a commentary to make, I think, than Prisoners of Ghostland yeah, does. Th- this is, yeah, this is... Yeah, just, it was just bizarre. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were... I'm not sure what they were trying to, to comment on in Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yeah. I feel like there's something in there that he wanted to tell us, and I have come away from the film not knowing what it was. <laughs> um, but I definitely enjoyed it. It felt like, do you know what it feels like? It feels like a Primus video. Have you ever watched any of Primus' yes. videos? Yes. It feels like a Primus music video. <laughs> like Just Win- Winona's, Winona's Big Brown Beaver or whatever, yeah. you know, where they're in the like cowboy costumes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. the end. That's that's the best way to sum it up. Um, I was gonna say if you haven't watched Princess of the Ghostland, I doubt anyone has watched Princess of the Ghostland, but I do recommend it. But yeah, again, less than a hundred thousand dollars. No one's seen it. <laughs> don't expect it to be a normal film. <laughs> this is my best advice. Um, Don't be on any form of mood stimulants, or otherwise you'll be in the fetal position. (laughs) Your brain is snapped. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a strange movie, but very interesting. And I will, I would like to watch more movies by the same writer. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, I'll watch that. um, Iranian vampire western that he's made. Where can people find us? Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Oh yeah, Twitter and Instagram. It takes two underscore pod, and on Facebook and Tumblr at it takes two pod. Our YouTube channels it takes two nz. Uh, we have a Discord server that you can find a link to in the show notes or on our Twitter bio or our website. Our website is it takes two dot co dot nz. Thank you for having us in your life, in your ears, in your head. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye.